This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Church Podcast. I am here today with Davey Williams. He is a producer, actor, filmmaker. How are you doing today? Good, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you become an actor filmmaker? And you have a film out now, right? The Chinese speaking vampires. Tell us a little bit about the story behind that. Okay, yeah, I started um, 20 years ago, just doing a little bit of acting in LA. And then in 2006, I moved to China for a while and got into their entertainment industry. As I became better at Mandarin, I got more and more roles, so it was exciting. And about five years ago, I started writing scripts. And my first one was Chinese Speaking Vampires. And that was a comedy action type of uh, script that I can use my Mandarin ability. And uh, took quite a while to get it actually made. So it's fun. It's, it's good. Very cool. So what made you move to China? <laughs> uh, that was, uh, I was in LA at the time, knew Chinese people there and people Americans that had been there and they talked me into it. So I just left my job um, at the time I was doing a civil engineering job and it was quite boring. So I was looking for some excitement in my life and uh, that sounded like the place to go try. Go and hunt it down. <laughs> hunt down the excitement. And, and what did you find there? What was, uh, what would you say are some of the things that really surprised you that you didn't expect about China? I went there not looking to get into the entertainment industry or anything, just wanted to travel and experience new cultures. I started working on the language as soon as I got there, and uh, I was very adamant about speaking Chinese as much as I could every day and blocking out all English. Okay. So I was really crazy about it. And then I got good and I got plugged into commercials and TV shows after a few months and the more you develop the connections over there the better you do and so i was friendly and making connections every day and ended up doing that for several years as a you know full-time actor bilingual host and presenter uh, and, uh, i had a lot of fun awesome <laughs> How can I help you today? I was thinking of taking some classes. Oh, I need to learn the language for all. I'm trying to get in a movie. Ah, yeah. I'm probably going to China pretty soon if I can land this Chinese speaking role. A movie? 
so Hollywood. And do you have any intensive training courses or something? Rika, I may have a way to help you. Okay, what is it? Some sort of hypnosis or mind trick? Hey, what are you talking about? Rika? Last night. Yeah, you practically kicked a vampire in the face. Whoa, what's up with your teeth? Vampire? Yeah, vampire. I swear to God, they're real. Ah! Help me find the freaks that turned my boyfriend and bring them to justice. You know you can't stay hidden forever. We will always find you. Me now. Me and You just told me that I should leave. What's your down issue? Boy issue. Tony, can you do it? The chance of empire to really exist. Yeah, so was Chinese really hard to learn or Yeah, it yeah. hard it's harder here because we don't have the environment, but yeah or surrounded it was very very fast actually oh wow awesome well i would imagine uh as a civil engineer it's, it's similar part of the brain the language and so you probably have a knack for it is my guess so i don't know it would be as easy for everyone but so tell me a little bit about this film and uh, you know the i guess concept behind it what drove you to Create it, and uh, what? What's tell us a little bit about what's about? Yeah, I just had a dream, a vision back in like 2015 to make my own projects, and I thought instantly, what would be a good one for me? Something uh, exciting with using my Mandarin, which was uh, quite unique, and something the audience was like, which is action and vampires and comedy. So I put it together and made it so that the vampires uh, they speak Mandarin when they become turned. And that was fun as American students learning Mandarin, they can't speak English anymore. So that was the premise that makes it kind of funny. Awesome, awesome. But what were some of the obstacles that you incurred? Because you did this during, you know, what I call it the, uh, the Kufid era, if you will, uh, <laughs> right? So I, I would imagine that was a, a little bit more challenging than it may have been in other times. Yeah, we got all the uh, pre-production done about early 2020 and then filmed it in February and early March 2020. So right before things were shut down in L.A. And um, it was just um, a, about a two year process of starting a company, starting to get serious about making a trailer, poster, website, business bank account, LLC. And then reaching out to the universe and prayer and thinking, how do I get, you know, this much money? And uh, once I met one gentleman that agreed to help, then it snowballed from there. And um, you manifest what you're, what you pray about and what you go towards every day. So that's what happened. And um, we got the money together in January 2020 and pushed the production to start soon in february so that's how we did it wow that's amazing so how did you meet this gentleman who was so gracious and helped you get started i was invited to be a guest at um an 
actors seminar in LA in uh, summer of 2019. And they just mm -hmm. wanted someone that's worked overseas, bilingual type actor. And afterwards you, the actors and attendees come up to each table and talk to the speakers. And this gentleman was uh, interested in helping out. So it was wonderful. I'm really blessed to have yeah. that conference and met him and, and went from there. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That that's really that's a very inspiring and hopeful story, for sure. So you were saying that you were in uh, during you were in LA for a bit, and that was during the lockdowns, which I am very familiar. Um, <laughs> that's part of the uh, inception of this podcast, actually. So I'm curious what how the climate was different overseas, and what were all the actors and the uh, the crew that you were working with, were they uh, Chinese or were they, did you bring people over? And tell me a little bit about how it was different being in China during that time versus here. Or okay, so we, we filmed it in LA with um, Chinese people that live in LA and Hollywood okay. uh, actors that we auditioned. Okay. The difference between filming in America versus China was that they have no union there. So uh, actors are often just treated very similar to the crew. We would show up at the same time as the crew and just sit there and wait for them to set everything up. Uh, there was no craft services. You just get a little uh, plasticky lunch uh, with chopsticks. Wow. And you get paid well, but they don't treat actors special at all. Uh, compared to in LA so oh that's very interesting so you filmed in LA yes and how was that it was fine um so we just did that uh, in February March 2020 and then I left as soon as I was over because they were starting to lock things down and shortages and everything so I went back to Montana late March of 2020 and spent the rest of the year in my hometown. So I didn't want to deal with any of that. Um, and uh, the only reason I came back recently was for the premiere of this movie and pushing for the sequel reboot. Mm -hmm. with possible investors for the uh, bigger budgeted reboot. But in 2020, I also made a feature in my hometown it was a Native American drama called Slant Streets. That's still being edited, but it's more of an art house piece and for film festivals, uh, kind awesome. of a Native American story. So definitely switched gears with that one. But a lot of people think that was impressive. I did two features in 2020 with COVID. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that part. Say that again. Uh, some people think that was impressive to do two features in 2020. Yeah, I, I'm very intrigued. Yeah, please, please elaborate. It. Tell us about that experience. I doubt it would have happened in LA. Okay, that would have been hard to do anything after mid-March of 2020 there. Sure. But since I left right after production and then started pre-production on the second feature in Montana, that was only locked down for a month or two. And then we we're pretty much wide open after that. So I was free to film and people were helpful. It was a fun process. 
you know. That's awesome. So in Montana, then, so you said it was, you know, only locked down for a very short period of time. Uh, and was the this film that you did non-union or union? Non-union. Non-union. Okay. So you had a lot of uh, free reign in that regard. Yes. Yes. And we have a lot of benefits filming up there because you have really friendly police or businesses, um, people devoting their time and, and their locations, bars, city sidewalks. Right. Uh, very friendly, very much lower budget than you can do in LA. And uh, awesome. I, I liked it. That's fun. Turns out well. Yeah, that, that's awesome. That's just really, really neat to hear. Because uh, I think people a lot of people have now I've been in the industry, so I, I understand, but I think a lot of people have this uh, misconception that, you know, you have to be in L.A. and it has to be a big budget union film in order to have any success or even completion. Um, and that is absolutely, as you have just proven, not the case in all situations. So um, I think that's really inspiring and illuminating for people to hear and to understand that. I am curious who you wrote both of these films. Yes. Okay, so I'm curious a little bit about, you know, what are some of the messages and themes that are really important to you in your art? And maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, what has inspired you as well. Um, the first movie, the theme is, uh, it turned out to be quite fortuitous because it was trying to uh, eradicate the Chinese vampires that are taking over America. And then right after that, we had the COVID flu, whatever, come from China. So that was interesting how that worked out. And some of the uh, the uh, people, the, the characters in the film that were against the vampires were uh, a religious group that were just really pro-America, anti-China, and they were trying to get the vampires, whether they were white or Chinese, whatever, it didn't matter to them. <laughs> they, they don't like this manner in speaking vampires. So that was fun. So the, that movie didn't have a lot of deep messages. It was a fun action comedy. Mm -hmm. The second movie was- Well, I would actually say it did have some pretty uh, deep, profound messages based on what you just told me. So I realized- um, <laughs> And you know what's so interesting about that? I was just listening to uh, a, a director talk about how, you know, a lot of the reason why in, you know, the past decade, we've seen such a rise in these like, you know, vampire movies, zombie movies, and horror type genres um, is because there is, because they're trying to appeal to a global market. And you can't make things culturally specific and appeal to the global market. Um, but I think it's also what has diminished some of the, uh, the value of film, personally, that, that's my view. Because part of why, you know, part of what I love so much about art is that I can travel all over the world via artistic mediums, you know, whether it be film or reading a book or television, I can go places and learn about people and cultures that I would never have the experience to otherwise. Even if I traveled, you know, I might, I'd be traveling possibly as a tourist and not be privy to some of those unique cultural aspects that make it so fascinating. You know, that's 
I think that's what makes art so rich personally. Um, so I think I thought that was really fascinating. So to hear you talk about this, you kind of merge the two, which I think is brilliant. Actually, you merge this uh, notion of, you know, uh, uh, pro America and, uh, you know, what makes America America and the, the, the battles and the forces in the world that we you know, we I, kind of the foreshadowing <laughs> that you you had the uh, you know the prescience uh, to be able to write, um, but then you merge that with these you know kind of comedic uh, you know uh, I guess uh, universal kind of themes. So yeah, they uh, in the movie they have a scene where the pastor is talking about how the Chinese are taking over our movie theaters, are taking our real estate, influencing our kids, and let's, you know, let's go get them. So that was fun. And I had their uniforms say America First Chinese Vampire Slayers. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> they, I did, I kind of toned it down a little bit. It, it would have been in the original script even more like a patriotic year and stuff. Mm -hmm. We made it a little more neutral undertone right and, uh, but anybody that sees it can see uh, how that is uh, similar to current events sure. and I agree with you for um, the lack of art in current big budget movies and I always wanted to make something very unique but also fun for the masses so that's my passion is making unique uh, ideas and action films that are different not just cookie cutter so we can uh, make money, but also have something different and interesting. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. So can you talk a little bit about the, before we get on to the next film, uh, talk a little bit about that distribution process and what was that like for you? And were there obstacles and challenges? When I, when we were finished or during editing, I started to uh, do research on distribution and there were lots of stories about people self-distributing, but I didn't want to do that. So I, uh, I went forward um, trying to manifest a good distributor. And uh, through the process of sending out, submitting, I saw a video on YouTube about a, uh, a lady that, you know, were mutual friends. And it turned out that an actor on our film was also friends with her and he introduced us. So she oh. became our distributor at awesome. the time. Yeah. <laughs> She's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. We're really fortunate to have met her and she's a blessing. So. For sure. I, I concur. <laughs> One of my dearest friends. Wow. So was that, um, had, was she the first uh, distribution contact that you reached out to or who, had you tried other uh, paths prior? Um, we had interest from a couple others but it was hard to know what's best and i always trust connections more than any company i haven't dealt with before yeah so if you get a recommendation from a friend or cast member then you feel like that's more trustworthy I, I understand that. I, I definitely understand that. That resonates deeply for me. I, I I know some people like to just go look like and 
you know, do deep research and compare and contrast everything kind of generically. But I feel like when you have some sort of, I think it boils down to trust. You feel like you have some sort of a trust that's uh, embedded and, you know, that's uh, really important when you're working on a project that's your baby, which clearly this was. So, so now let's talk about this project that you did in Montana. What were some of the themes behind that and uh, the process of bringing that to fruition? Um, I started writing that three, four years ago when I was living in China and was really missing my hometown. And I also always loved Native American culture growing up there. Oh. So I just wrote a story about it and um, just an ode to my hometown and to Native Americans. And uh, it was just, it's kind of a sad movie, but I think everyone will like it. And I'm looking forward to the first draft of the editing process so we can see it. Awesome. I am as well. So I have two questions for you. What is it about uh, Native American culture that draws you and appeals to you? And two, does that one have distribution yet or are you still in that process? Oh, that was just, um, you know, I have some friends growing up there and I have toured through the reservations in Montana. So I always have a lot of respect for them and how they treat the land and everything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we'll probably have... Um, our mutual friend working on the distribution for that. So, awesome. Since it's awesome. more of an arc house movie, it's probably going to festivals mm -hmm. more so than an action film would be a worldwide distribution. So, right. Very cool. Okay. And yeah. And what is next for you? So, the first Chinese speaking vampires was kind of a prequel. And now we have the bigger budget. Uh, Chinese speaking vampires, the wrath of the bat, bats are coming out. Um, hopefully this next year we'll start filming that. And that's um, larger budget and name actors and more action. So it should be an even better version of the prequel, like we call it, we like to call it. So that's what we're working on finding the financing for right now. Okay, you're you're currently seeking financing for that. And do, can you tell us who the actors are involved? I don't know. I'll have to ask Michelle if that's allowed. <laughs> all right, all but, right. Uh, <laughs> we have. I always liked the first Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the '90s. Me too. <laughs> and, uh, I I felt personally that that was the role made for me. And even though I wasn't an actress at the time, they should have come and found me. I mean. The fact that they didn't, I don't know what's wrong with them. So Jeez, yeah, it's a little there. sore spot for me, but <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, uh, Sam. The actress was Christy Swanson and I was hoping to get in touch with her at some point about mm -hmm. that role. Yeah. And another actor in that movie was David Arquette. So mm -hmm. we like both of those two. Yeah. And um, for the main bad guys, uh, mistress we were thinking like Tia Career uh, she's a, a good Asian actress so yeah great what happens awesome all right well hopefully that that should be very very exciting yeah. um so th that script is already like you've already written that whole uh you've written the script and pitched it already have yeah. you pitched to them okay so we have the script and pitch deck and poster and 
website and everything ready mm -hmm. and uh, going forward with national types of marketing to find more investment in the coming new year. So hopeful and praying and manifesting. For sure. It's a big ask, but <laughs> before with a smaller ask, I can hopefully get God and the universe to help once again. For sure. Yeah. And maybe somebody listening will be interested and uh, spread the word, hopefully. So, yeah. Yes, um, blessed. Absolutely. And uh, so you've done three. So that's three films. Have, mm -hmm. Right. I did a short film in China four years ago called Kung Pao Love. And uh, it was a good learning experience. I would only recommend people do like one or two shorts and then work on features. I'd rather make a low budget feature than a big budget short. Sure. most people aren't interested in watching shorts so yeah especially not today I, I think there was a window of time where shorts were actually quite um at least much more than they are now popular so and there was a much bigger market for them but that seems to have changed so i am curious you you were talking about like the difference between uh you know like a more art house kind of distribution versus you know, global box office type thing. What do you see as the future of the filmmaking medium in that regard? And how do you think that will change films? I don't know. I think that people need to know going into making a feature that the only things that sell internationally are action and sometimes horror movies unless you have name actors, you can go with dramas. Mm -hmm. But uh, fortunately I learned that early on from Michelle and fortunately we only did the one drama and uh, now we can move forward sticking with uh, concepts that will be sold internationally. And um, you can still make unique and fun movies mm -hmm. that are viable and, and sellable across the world. Mm -hmm. I think that um, it does help to have name actors, but just make make your make your feature without the name actors first and then if that goes well, keep pushing forward to make bigger and better movies in the future. For sure. So what do you how do you feel about the role of film we, we touched on this a little bit but i would love to hear more of your thoughts on it the role of film in the culture um i think that it was huge for me growing up mm -hmm. and in my 20s mm -hmm. to see motivational films that motivated me so much i mean i loved dead poet society and Titanic and movies that really resonated with my heart to go chase my dreams and live for today. So yeah. uh, I hope that we can continue to make movies that inspire people like that instead of just computer generated graphics, action films. Yeah. You know? So I hope that the medium can continue to inspire people to chase their dreams and be better or whatever. So that's my hope. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So 
the role would be aspirational. Yeah. 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 I, I think there's been a huge trend, uh, certainly in the last decade, but possibly past two decades for the rise of the anti-hero. Um, and I think that that's uh, very destructive in the culture. You know, I, I would love to see a return of the hero. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's fun. I think that it is aspirational. I think it's inspiring. And, you know, I think that people we go see movies that are because they're larger than life and we want something to look up to. We want something to aspire to. We want something to give us hope that we can chase our dreams, you know? And uh, I, I don't think the anti-hero serves that quite as well. So. Good points. Yeah. And I hope to make better, better movies that inspire people. Like I was inspired to be an actor Back 20 years ago, you know. So, yeah. So, you've worn lots of hats. You're actor, producer, writer. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about those different roles and, uh, you know, the difference between them, what you like and don't like about each of them? <clears throat> yeah, for many years, I was just doing acting and then <clears throat> I got into learning how to script write. And then uh, when you're doing your own feature, you naturally have to produce it. And um, I like the production producer side of it because you can be in charge of uh, choosing the other cast and crew around you. Mm -hmm. so you get to be in charge uh, creatively like that. Yeah. And um, writing is tough. Script writing has to be so perfected and, and tight to make it into a good movie so that's been quite the learning process uh -huh. um, so I, I just love being a um, part of each project and whether it's just as an actor or just the writer that's all good um, mm -hmm. but i say my two favorite are producing and acting yeah. awesome awesome so with this chinese movie i i would imagine you lived in china for decades so you must have uh, lots of friends and colleagues there yeah right um how did they receive the movie versus people here? That's a good question. And um, the, the, um, the topic of the movie, the content is a little bit uh, poo-pooed in China because they don't like zombie movies and vampire mm -hmm. movies. I mean, the government doesn't like to accept those as much, vampire and zombie Interesting. Movies. So that's, I knew that going in and I knew that it's still every other country besides China likes it. So I just made that uh, gamble and um, hopefully with a name talents, they will be more accepting of it in China for the uh, sequel. And, um, but the majority of the audience there, they still like these type of films, just like we do here. They just, uh, they're blocked from their government from watching a lot of it. How interesting. Do you know why? They have weird things about, weird ideas about afterlife and, and death and everything. So anything dealing with that is kind of taboo. Interesting. Um, and I hope that changes, but with their censorship, it's much worse than here. And you just have to deal with that and um, at least I wasn't saying anything political or 
and mm-hmm. use of it as violence. So that helps it get into China easier. Yeah, interesting. So you really have to know uh, your markets and you know when you're and keep that in mind when you're writing and directing these things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So where are you currently? I'm in Dallas, um, meeting with friends and possible investors, and then I'll go back to LA for a little while and then Montana for the holidays. Awesome. So I'm curious that those are three very different states. Can you talk a little bit about the climate there? Uh, not the weather, but, you know, um, but yeah, just... And how uh, have all of each, and has you notice a difference in how people in each of the states respond to uh, both the filmmaking process that you were involved in and uh, the material itself? I'm just a really big fan of Montana. And um, for five, you know, six, seven months of the year, it's really beautiful there. And the rest mm-hmm. of the time it's uh, white and dreary. But uh, the people are lovely and they were just so excited when I was doing auditions for the Slant Streets uh, back there a year ago. And they had uh, even put it on the news that there's a audition for a feature. And at the same time, it was Yellowstone was being filmed a couple blocks away. So oh, wow. people on the streets would often ask if we're with Yellowstone. And I said, no, we have quite a lot smaller budget than that. <laughs> <laughs> up there are really great um, conservative patriotic Americans and I love that and Texas is the same way I just never can get used to having no mountains around you know I take it for granted in LA Montana I'm always around mountains and beautiful scenery yeah here it's just flat everywhere and it doesn't doesn't feel like home but the people are great here really nice people in Texas there's just not that much entertainment industry Right. Um, so it's hard to stay here full-time if I'm doing a movie project in LA so right sure sure I'm curious about how the uh people in the different states because I I think that that's also something that even Americans are not always as aware of you know we are the United States but we are 50 independent sovereign states that are united right so there's a big difference between the culture and the, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, the governments and the uh, policies that are implemented in each of the states. And, uh, but definitely there is a culture to each state. And I don't know that people, um, I don't know that everybody recognizes that. So I think it's, it would be interesting to hear how I think certain films would do better in certain uh, states right? Like they're, yeah. yeah, so I'm curious yeah. about how they perceive it. And Michelle and I are talking about, oh, how do we film this in LA? Mm-hmm. Because things have changed just a lot, even in two years for their sure. little requirements. And we're not about to make anybody have any medical requirements to be on our set. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be forced to have those type of requirements. So if possible, or if we're able to go to a neighboring state, uh, even Montana, mm-hmm. uh, would be awesome. Yeah. So we're thinking about that right now. And um, 
it is two different countries. It really is between say California and Montana or Texas. And that's yeah. too bad. It is too bad. But like Michelle always says, she's been there her whole life in LA and and that's her industry and all of her connections are there. So it's hard. Uh, for me, I'm very mobile. So I don't have anything tying me down. I'm moving all the time, but yeah, I would only be in the LA area just because of the industry at this point. I wouldn't want to or recommend anyone to live there for anything other than the industry at this point. Unfortunately, it, it was really beautiful, really beautiful. I, I understand. I, I left there. I moved. So I, I do get it. But it sounds like Montana was, I think, another uh, you know misconception or something that impedes a lot of people from taking action in the industry is that they think they have to be in LA to, to have a successful product. And you're proving that that's not true. So were you really surprised to see that there was an infrastructure in Montana, that there was talent in Montana, and that they were receptive to filmmaking? Yeah, it was about half and half uh, talent and no talent because I was very blessed to meet a director that lives in my hometown that spent most of his life in LA that had moved up there and he had done big features. So mm -hmm. I took it on as like a passion project, which is mm -hmm. very wonderful of him. And um, so we had some other people that had experience in the casting crew and then some very, uh, very newcomers had people as well. So but everyone was friendly and open and welcoming to our whole project. So I kind of recommend it. It's a good, it's a good thing to have a mix of the LA professionals with the Montana locals. I don't know if I could do it completely with just the locals because of the lack of experience and talent. Mm -hmm. Sure. But locations and everything wise, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, awesome. That's really cool. So what would your advice to a new filmmaker, particularly in this current time, be? Um, just uh, take part in YouTube University, watch as much free content as you can, and then build a team of like-minded people start mm -hmm. making a short film yeah. with whatever equipment you have yeah and then get out and uh, set about making a plan for a feature with your script and everything and try to attract talent and and money and everything to get it done but you might go to la for a while but and take what you learn and go back to where you're from and, and make the movie there you know awesome Awesome. Um, one more question, and then I'm going to leave you with closing remarks. Um, in terms of, you know, filming uh, in Montana, with there, uh, you had said like locations uh, were very favorable and things were cheaper. Um, were there incentives? Did you find that there it was very, uh, yeah, incentivizing to film there versus elsewhere? Yeah, they have tax incentives for bigger budget movies mm -hmm. so we were so under the radar that it didn't really matter okay but for bigger budgets over a million i think 
you will definitely find some tax advantages here. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Well, this has been really awesome, really informative. Thank you so much. Tell us if you have any closing comments you want to leave people with. Pardon? I'm so, uh, so blessed to have met you. Praise God. And I'm so thankful for our project and for you and Michelle. And I hope that we'll see each other again. Yeah, Anybody, for sure. You know. Thank you. Tell everyone where they can find you. I'm going to post a little clip of the uh, trailer for everyone. Oh, yeah. It's Instagram, Chinese Speaking Vampires, website, uh, Chinese Speaking Vampires, the movie.com. And um, that's about it. Facebook and all that is all the same. So check us out, become a subscriber, and we'll send you exclusive pictures and info about the process and pre-production of a Hollywood feature. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.